Jesus, Virginia. <laughs> yeah, she's telling you to keep it goddamn down. We're trying to work here. Oh my. No. Don't you have like somewhere else to be like anywhere? Oh. Oh, shit. All right. All right. Yeah, so. <laughs> Hey, bubblies, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's that little old podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today Dozer is back for another episode of our original versus remake series. And I am so fucking excited because we're finally getting to do our episode of The Things. Welcome back, Dozer. How you been? Oh, it's been way too long, Jen. I, I know it's been, what, since Jen? No, December. Yeah. Black, Early last year. Black Christmas was our last recording. So, and then that came out on Christmas. Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Sorry for the delay, but things have been pretty hectic on my end as of late. So, hey, no worries. We have kind of uh, opposite schedules. So, it's, you know, we, we get them in when we can. I'm not too concerned about it, but I am very, very excited. So, uh, we are going to kind of get right into it. Now, way back like way back last year, last fall, I was doing, I might've been pod prepping for Black Christmas. And I think that's when you might've texted about wanting to do the things. And I got like super excited, watched 1951's The Thing from Another World. Yes. World or planet. My DVD says one thing and then the screen says another. So. Oh, okay. So that makes, cause I kept changing it, you know, world, planet, world, planet. So I'm like, I don't know which one it is, but it's not just me. No. So I, I watched the three. I watched 1951, 1982, and the 2011 prequel way back before. And I have been jazzed about recording today since then. So I'm so glad that we finally got, got it to work out. And so, yeah, as I said, we're going to be talking about 1951, The Thing from Another World, um, and the 1982 John Carpenter's The Thing. And then we'll also be kind of sprinkling in discussions of the 2011 prequel, The Thing, and kind of how it relates to how the, all three movies kind of relate to each other. Uh, they're all available to stream online, rentable, or to buy. Uh, 2011 is free with ads on Tubi, if that's more your thing. And then, of course, your local library. You can check out the DVDs. Well, uh, the 1951 is actually free to watch on YouTube right now. They're, oh, they're, it, it? it's, it's past its copyright. Damn, it didn't, it kept showing like to rent. So whatever. I, oh. I still rented it and, you know, that's fine because I couldn't get the DVD from the library in time. But we'll go ahead and just reestablish our kind of the definitions we've been using for remakes um, between remake, reboot, and reimagining. A remake is just that, a remake of an older movie with very few changes. Reboot resets the continuity of an established film series like Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, etc. Reimagining um, our remakes with one big change, like the Ghostbusters, Roadhouse, like a gender bent kind of version. So we'll start. So that's the definitions that we have been working with. And we'll go ahead and get right into the thing from another world from 1951. So what were your overall thoughts of this movie? Um. It felt a lot like one of the other movies we'd watched, uh, Little Shop of Horrors from the 1950s. It felt exactly the same thing. 
you weren't expecting much in the um in the uh, special effects thing i mean for christ's sake the, the the alien was just a guy in some sort of makeup and it was an overly large guy they just hey you're the biggest guy we've seen today you want to be in a movie all right fine um and like i said before with little shop of horrors this movie's dialogue was actually really entertaining it was probably the funniest part i mean i don't know if 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 we keep doing this series like if we keep going back to 1950s movies that that just won't be the cookie cutter for every die uh diagnosis for every 1950s movie we see where it's special effects are gonna be shitty writing's not gonna be all that great but the dialogue just is i i laughed numerous times throughout the movie just like did they really just say that mm-hmm. what about you so i this movie okay so I, I have like, I don't know, I have like a problem in, in paying attention to like old black and white movies. I don't know what it is. I, and, but so I kind of got bored throughout this movie, but it has nothing to do with the movie itself. That's just me. I don't know if it wasn't, if it just wasn't like colorful enough and like exciting enough. But the dialogue, this rewatching it today, I tried to pay more attention to the dialogue that was written and everything. And there are some really funny parts some really funny lines. I didn't really write anything down, but there were several times where I kind of laughed out loud, same as you, like, really? Um, you know, obviously it's 1951, so the language isn't going to be as, quote, uh, unproblematic as we would. <laughs> I mean, it's 1951, but I didn't, I didn't find it to be any worse than anything else from that time period. So there was the one line when they all go running into one of the rooms and like one of the guys, I can't think of his name as, but he's like, oh, what's, what is this, a lynching party? Mm-hmm. And one, he sounded a little too excited, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like that. an old timey, like it just, I was like, wow, but not super surprised. But that line does come back in 1982, which I thought was kind of interesting because I don't know the last time I actually heard that line, that phrase in real life. But I do remember that people used it. Mm-hmm. So, but like I said, it's nothing, nothing extraordinary, you know, because then the one girl has that one line about like, well, you better knock me across the chin and <laughs> just yeah. like. <laughs> to the moon, Alice. Yeah, yeah. when beating was still a thing. Yep. So that those are, those are the kind of things that are like kind of to be expected. So I just wanted to just mention that quick and not spend a whole hell of a lot of time on it. But. Otherwise, like all the information, like everything we see in 82 is all given to us in dialogue in 51. You know, like I feel like maybe because of the lack of special effects and everything, obviously that's the, that's how they're telling the story is through the conversations and through the dialogue. But like I said, I don't know if it's like that mid-Atlantic accent that was very prevalent kind of in that time makes everyone sound kind of monotone and boring <laughs> yeah but i i did find myself kind of drifting like just daydreaming in and out but it's still for 1951 i think it's a like i see how it was like a big deal how it was very spooky and kind of scary you know just the aliens and and everything and i liked the uh i found it interesting very much like the science versus kind of fear and violence 
like I don't even want to say like military specifically, like the other guys were acting out of fear and they were going mm -hmm. to kill this thing because they were scared. And I think that's totally valid. But in 51, it seemed like there was a very clear division between the science of it and the fear of it, which I thought was really kind of definitely maybe my more favorite kind of theme of the of 51. Did you catch that? A little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's, and it's, it's kind of interesting that you, that you point that out because I've, I find that to be a little, so you've got one group that is fearing what they don't know. And, but then another group is super excited about what they don't know. And I think that, I mean, even into, even in today's, um, way things are you know that that's pretty much the two sides you have right now even in today's world so mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting that one you know oh we don't understand we got to kill it and the other one's like well let's figure out what it is and try to learn from it you know mm -hmm. and and you know they do that i think in the other two kind of versions but it seemed like there was just that clear line in in this one in 51 i mean the one scientist he's like growing them i also like that they kind of theorize what this alien being might is and that it's a super veggie <laughs> yeah that what the yeah I, I i wasn't really on board with that but i was like well i suppose it's 1951 what the hell i'll give you a break <laughs> jesus but couldn't do something better okay yeah it's a super veggie i love that but you know they've got like these seed-like pod things that they plant because they have a greenhouse out in this uh, station and the scientist waters it with blood plasma and is growing them like I understand having like a curiosity and understanding kind of like the science of that but like where's the line from that curiosity science-based curiosity to just like mad scientist and i want to see everything and grow these things that are clearly dangerous mm -hmm. pretty well established at that point that they're dangerous yeah so. <laughs> well it could be the fact though too because he had been growing them for a long time and then they then they find mm, that's right the the alien and thought out so it's like he may not have known exactly what it was going to become as opposed to like in the 82 they already know what's going on and this is not something that we can take lightly so this is something that needs to be stopped dead in its tracks literally in in its tracks like if we let this thing go rampant or even try to contain it something's bound to go wrong so but i didn't think they knew that in the 51 like they, they didn't have enough information as they did in the 82 one no no and it didn't seem like 51's thing was like a like a not a not a shape well I guess like yeah kind of like a shapeshifter like you know like a pod person so to speak takes over its organic host or whatever this one kind of just seemed more like straight alien just mm -hmm. straight alien so oh and I also with 51 <laughs> everyone lives <laughs> Well, maybe not everyone, but yeah, not everybody, yeah. but enough. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, very, very large cast. It's a lot oh. of people run. I mean, all of these movies have a decently sized group of people, but 
51, I'm like, that's that's a lot of dudes. Mm. <laughs> and can I can I just say that even for 51, when they had uh, 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 what was her name, Margaret uh, Sheridan, who played the what was it, the secretary, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Like, like even in 51, they had a female. Like she's actually top billing in the credits too. Yep. So it's like, what in 51? Yeah. So I, I don't know much about her. I don't know if she was like big back then. And that's, that was their top tier actor or actress or whatever. I, I don't know, but I thought that was just kind of weird, Yeah. especially I, for the way 82 went. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure about, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not familiar with like her, her status, you know, as a Hollywood actress of yesteryear and everything but i did find that was kind of interesting that she got top billing so my, my assumption is that she was maybe like a big name big draw or maybe just trying to reach a female audience i don't know i did like her character though for a 1951 female i thought she was really smart and capable <laughs> she yeah. just wasn't allowed to do a whole hell of a lot but i thought well, she, i know, like i liked her exactly so yeah. Cause like the line that she has about where she's talking to the captain about, you know, like, Oh, you might as well just crack me across the chin. It's really in context of these are the reports that this is everything that scientist dude has been working on and you're not supposed to see them. So you might as well just beat me up <laughs> and take them because she did, she felt like, you know, their safety was compromised and that he really needed to know because the scientists were keeping all of that shit secret from the the pilots and the rest of the 20 other fucking people that were there so i'll give her credit that she still kind of did the right thing by being like mm -hmm. oh i don't know how you got these i'll just say you yeah, beat me <laughs> well like i said it was 1950s it yeah. was okay back then exactly so um anything else about 1951 that you wanted to bring up specifically i guess not really i mean because it was 1950 and like i said in the intro um you know obviously special effects aren't going to be at the top tier especially now what they are nowadays or even back in 82 so they did have to re rely heavily on the dialogue which i thought was very well written i thought while every like you said everything's kind of in a monotone a little bit I still thought the dialogue was definitely engaging enough to keep you interested in, in the movie and like some of the dynamics it's, it's while it didn't, how do I want to say it? While it didn't bring into focus the whole paranoia aspect of everything, mm -hmm. it still gave you that us versus them with the fear it, kill it, fear it, study it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was just pretty interesting though, too, with all, with all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, yeah, it's, yeah, again, special effects wise, it's not going to be a lot, but I thought they did a pretty good job with what they had between, you know, setting the thing on fire and then uh, well, electrocuting it. And even the faraway shot of them at down at the ice where uh, the spaceship is, the UFO is. Yeah. You know, so I thought that was pretty good, pretty well done. And then I also like, they're just like, well, we'll just blow it up, you know, we'll set up some explosives and blow it out of the ice, which, you know, I get, but then the explosions went off and that, that still felt like Hollywood excessive. And I, then, mm -hmm. then I just kind of chuckled. Cause I'm like, I love it when 
in movie. I love it when they're just like, oh, fuck it, we'll just blow it up. Because then it reminds me of the um, exploding whale incident of 1970. So that's one of my favorite bits of real life history. A beached whale ended up on shore in Oregon, Oregon State. And so, you know, to get rid of it, they, <laughs> they blew it up in huge chunks of decomposing whale <laughs> rained from the sky and the footage is awesome there's a remastered version of like the news clip and you like some good writing and narration that that is some funny shit right there so i highly recommend watching that video because <laughs> it was kind of reminiscent of 51 blowing up uh trying to blow up the spacecraft out of the ice is that our next review yep <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm fine for it. We ha we haven't figured out what we're gonna do next week, so what the hell? Yeah, so why not? We'll <laughs> exploding whale, nineteen seventy. God, it's so it's so funny. All right, so we'll go ahead and start talking about the nineteen John Com John Carpenter's version of the thing from nineteen eighty two, and I mean, I I fucking love this movie so much it is it's got to be like one of my top three favorite like horror movies what about you how much do you love this movie it's literally my favorite horror movie yes. you, you you're never you, spoiler this is well i don't know if we want to do this now but like so we talked I, I brought it up briefly before we actually started recording about how after i i, I had never seen the 51 up until last night and so when i originally pitched the thing to you it was 82 versus 51 but after watching the 51 now i'm really rethinking that it should have been the 51 versus the 2011 as the remake and i and then like i said before we recorded that that the 82 felt more like a sequel but then you also mentioned that kind of isn't it still incorporates some of the things from 51 so i'm not even quite sure about how to go at attacking what versus what when it comes to original versus remake in this you know and it's yeah because when you had mentioned that uh off mic like i i hadn't thought about it and now i'm just kind of like hot huh, now i feel like i need to rewatch them under with that kind of mindset of like no no 2011 is the remake of 51 and then 82 is just there for us <laughs> as a nice treat <laughs> and and should we go through and explain what's actually going on with these three movies sure go ahead like so obviously 51 was the first one that that comes out it was it was a novella from 1935 seven something like that called who goes there by uh what is it john campbell jr um so that was the original it, it was based off a novella so 51 adapts it into a script and makes a movie of it and then 82's john carpenter's the thing comes out and takes takes it to a whole nother goddamn level and and it expresses the whole paranoia of because it's 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 a completely different alien too. It's it's not even the same type. It's it's one that adapts the human 
identity and feature uh, features and stuff like that to infect other people to propagate its species. And so then for a bigger spoiler, and I don't know if you, what did you know about going uh, about watching the 2011 when it first came out and you first watched it, what did you know about it? So I didn't know, like I, I didn't know much about it and I didn't watch it for the first time until last fall when we, when we originally discussed doing these movies and only then did I find out it was a prequel of everything mm-hmm. that happened uh, in 82 in John Carpenter's. So that I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's not really a remake. So I I really enjoyed it. There's, you know, a few things here and there that I don't care for. Like, I guess my two biggest gripes is the uh, overuse of CGI in 2011. Mm-hmm. And they don't look 80s enough. I don't when movies are made in like more present time that take place like in the 80s and they don't look 80s enough it just it bothers me for some reason so that's the only other thing but the but god you know what even in watching 2011 this last time even though timeline wise it's the prequel to john carpenter's there were still a lot of things that felt maybe sequely or remaking and I don't know if that was maybe just their the movie's attempt to kind of give more of a nod to the original, just with just, just the generalized storytelling of we don't know what this is, and now it's coming after us, and we have to figure out, and we don't trust anybody. So it's very similar in that sense to 82. So there was times where I was like, this kind of feels like a remake in of itself, but it doesn't make sense timeline-wise between the two movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, when I first, I, uh, I'm trying to remember if I actually saw it in the theaters when it came out right away. I may not have, but it, anyway, the first time I saw it, I didn't, I didn't even realize that it was a prequel. So I went into it just imagining it was a a, a reboot or something like that or a remake. So as I was watching it and and they started a little bit before I'm like, so when does the remake part start to happen? And it's not till you get towards the end. And I'm like, Oh shit, this isn't even remotely what I thought this was. This is actually a prequel. Cause I had not read any reviews. I didn't want any spoilers. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe they were going to put a more definitive ending on this one as opposed to 82. So I was really kind of into that, but. Yeah, it, it kind of blew my mind. And then especially the uh, end credits sequence when it literally becomes the first part of 82. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that is goddamn awesome. I know. I they, I think maybe that's what sucked me in. I also, and I think like one of the fun facts about 2011 is another reason why I like it so much. But because there were no blueprints of the original station, Norwegian station uh, from 82, from Carpenters, they used, they had as many like, photos and screenshots of the original set kind of set up as they were building it and then they were using kurt russell's height as a unit of measurement because nothing and they were trying their best to replicate it as best as they could so i really i think that is just one of the funnest facts i've ever heard in my life that kurt russell is a unit of measurement in carpentry (laughs) in the carpenter universe (laughs) yeah Ah, that was perfect. You Good like job. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So 82 is the thing is, yeah, one of my top favorite horror movies. Um, and it's kind of only more recently jumped up there. Like, I've always liked it. I've always enjoyed it. But these last couple times rewatching it, I'm like, it's still scary. That whole paranoia, that kind of mind fuck of not knowing who to trust. Hell, there's times where it's like, would you even know if you had been taken over? So I think there's, I don't know if they really explore that a whole hell of a lot, but like in 82. But I couldn't, I can't help but wonder sometimes, you know. See, that was one of the things I wrote down too, like. Would you know if you were one of those things necessarily? Like, would you be conscious of it? I mean, let's face it. If you were to ask any of those guys that were in in that bunker, like, are you the thing? Obviously, they can't say yes. But if if it was like their their livelihood didn't depend on it, could they actually say yes? They were. I I, I didn't. I I. Yeah, that was one thing that kind of confused me too. It's always one of those things like, how would you know that you're insane and not sane? Well, by definition, I don't think you could. Right. So you wouldn't know it. Right. Yeah, 82 just, it it's just kind of a mind fuck in that way too. Because, and yeah, I never really thought about like, would would they know? Because in 2011, there's the one scene where one of the other girls, uh, not Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but she, she's a thing, and she starts to, you know, transform or whatever. But the look on the actress's face as it's happening, there's like an element of like fear and what the fuck, and because as she's her mouth is opening, kind of making that weird screamy sound, her eyes are just like almost like she she is aware of what's happening and has zero control over it and has a moment of like kind of pleading a pleading look with uh mary elizabeth's character because she's got the flamethrower now but the other girl's got this look of like just fucking do it <laughs> torch me kill me end it like so yeah that's that's it just kind of got me thinking this last rewatch about about that part of it and that kind of and that fear and unknowing and uncertainty. So I'm still here. I just okay. Wife's wife's making too much noise. Ah, uh, damn it, wife. <laughs> yeah, even Jen says keep it down. <laughs> All right, so we will have to talk about the special effects for '82, oh. just because I love them. I love it so much. And you and I are such fans of practical over special. So Jesus, Virginia. <laughs> yeah. She's telling you to keep it goddamn down. We're trying to work here. <laughs> All right. So the effects, how much do you love them, Josh? That is the epitome of perfection. This even between between the scene and the dog kennel the defibrillator and down in the tunnels it's just i i dare you to find a, a movie that's got better effects honestly what about you oh i love them i mean i mean just what again what you're able what they're able to accomplish with practical effects and still being scary and even after all these years you know it just unsettling and creepy like yeah the dog scene oh that is 
That's gross. <laughs> just like, say it. It's gross. <laughs> it is. It's. It, oh my god. And then the uh, yeah the defibrillator scene. That one still always kind of gets me. It's like I know like everything. Like I know it's gonna happen between the defibrillator scene and the testing the blood scene, and you know whose blood is gonna be like. Eh! I, it still gets me. <laughs> I still jump like every time. I love it so much. <laughs> so we watched we watched the 82 first last night when we got home. And uh, Vic and Shannon had never seen it. What? And, yeah, they had never seen it. So we're like, well, we'll, we'll order some pizzas and we'll watch it. And yeah. I still, yeah, I knew it was coming. I already know what's going to happen. And I still jumped. Mm-hmm. when it happened i'm just like oh it gets me every time too just it's so oh it's so good and then even like the part where like the head starts pulling off from the body and goes scampering away like just like a weird little thing spider oh yuck <laughs> yeah that's that is literally the things nightmares are made of yeah yeah <laughs> And like the tentacles all whipping around and like feeling around to try and latch onto something. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> They're like little stretch Armstrong dolls or something because they keep going. There's no <sighs> end to how far they they can reach. <laughs> Gross. Oh yeah, the the special effects were just just spot on. Like I said, I I, I can't think of another movie that was that could beat the effects in this one i can think of a few that could maybe keep up with it but not not beat it at least not off the top of my head anyways Mm -hmm. yeah i agree so yeah the film is considered a benchmark in special makeup effects the effects were created by rob botten who was only 22 when he started the project i didn't know he was that young i knew he was young 22 oh just a little baby (laughs) oh my gosh i feel real good about myself right now (laughs) you know and if i was a hollywood exec after seeing his effects in that movie i'd have just given him a million dollars and been like do whatever you want pretty much just make some effects just do do whatever yep just (laughs) just do something and we'll use it in another movie somewhere just just here's a million dollars just do whatever you want with it absolutely so all right what did you think about like the ending and uh, theories on the ending all right <laughs> Oof, how do i want to attack this first um i'm fine with the ending um i'm not exactly happy with it but i'm kind of okay with it i wish if you were if you're going to do an ending like that, I wish there would have been some sort of sequel. Maybe not the year after or the year after that, but do, do something with it. I mean, come on. You, you, you've literally got the world in your hands at that point. Do something with it at the, again or something else after it. Um, I have my theories, but I kind of want to hear what yours are first before I go into it. Okay. Well, I like... I, I really do kind of like that more ambiguous ending and to not follow up with a sequel. Just, I like that because sometimes not everything needs to be revisited or re just 
go back to like i i like the open and just forever leaving that as up to your imagination your fanfic whatever your theory so with that said in rewatching it last night uh based on something i had read online i paid very close attention to mcgreedy's and child's exchange at the very very end there mm-hmm. and uh you can see mcgreedy's breath you don't see child's breath so and then there's the theory about like the earring which is kind of then addressed in the 2011 version the prequel what is technically the prequel so which i'm all for it (laughs) basically the thing got got smarter in that time period of uh the prequel to 82 which isn't a whole hell of a lot of time but it seems like this thing is that intelligent enough where it seems like it would pick up on what it has to do to survive adapt that level of adaptation to survive so in that you know in 2011 it can't replicate inorganic material so people lose their earrings or fillings and whatnot because in 82 that was one thing you know a child still had a had his earring in Mm -hmm. so the theory then is that yes the things got smarter and knew to put the earring back in so are you are you with I don't I don't want to say the bulk of of people that have their theories but are you say are you thinking that child's is or was a thing I'm starting to end? yeah I'm are starting you really? I am I am because it is really I'm sorry that is odd that you can't see his breath and you know what I didn't really pay enough attention to if anyone else's breath that was later confirmed as a thing, like just before whatever was seen. But I don't know if that's just like an editing oversight or or if that was intentional, but it's very interesting. It's something brand new to me. So I like it until I read something better. <laughs> so uh, about that, because I have heard that, that uh, argument that you can't see Childs's breath. But after, because uh, I actually when we first started playing around with the idea of doing this particular um, series, I, I did, I did a little bit of research beforehand and I found a lot of stuff that they, a lot of people seem to take your, your stance on this. But the thing about the breath is that it was due to something with the camera angle and something like that. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't anything that was supposed to like be an inkling or anything like that. At least from what I understand from articles I read that John Carpenter were interviewed in. Okay. So even he says that that's not a thing or at least not something that's supposed to be a placate it. Yeah. (laughs) My, I have two ways I, I would go about this. And that is, Neither one of them is a thing that they have actually gotten gotten it eradicated, which is kind of the more darker ending I think you could have done. Because now you're going to have two people needlessly die in the middle of nowhere for absolutely no reason. But because of the paranoia in the movie, this is what has to happen. Like, they literally just have to die to make sure. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that always kind of bums me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But my other one is I actually think that McCready is a thing, though, too. The reason I say that is because I was and I was trying to piece it together a little bit last night. But after a brewer game and a drive an hour and a half drive home, <laughs> I'm not 
probably thinking the greatest when I sat down to watch this. But he seems to get a lot of people one-on-one with him. And they always go off somewhere. Hmm. And he's, he's, he does that at least twice I can remember off the top of my head, if not more than that. So I feel like he was maybe one of the first people infected. So when you have that dog that goes into that room, you don't even see who's in that room. You just know somebody's in that room. Right. I actually think it's McCready in that room. Really? And that he's one of the first ones and still gets through it. How does he pass the blood test? See, I don't know what, so I watched, I think it was the theatrical version. I know, I think there's a couple other versions out there. In the theatrical one, you don't ever actually see him like cut his thumb or hand to put the blood into the dish. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, if he used like something else, swapped them out, what have you, or like maybe he swapped his blood with one of the other guys. That was the thing, knowing that it's a thing to put them under the bus hmm. to get the scent off of him a little bit. Like that's, it, it feels like that. I feel like that's what more or less happened. Interesting. You know, and I'm not going to lie. There are point there. There's always been points where I'm just kind of like, I mean, even this last, even last night where I'm like kind of questioning McReady, you know, and one of them, it was, he, he stops like one of the doctor scientist Fuchs, I think the one with the glasses, but he's like kind of com- trying to come up with a test or something. And McReady walks past him and dude's in his office and then McReady leaves him alone. And I'm like, you guys have already established that this thing is going to wants to get you alone and then mm-hmm. take you over then. I'm like, why, why are we letting people just be alone? <laughs> yeah. So that is kind of interesting because then shortly after that, that's when the lights go out in Fuchs office. And he heads outside and kind of the next thing you know-ish is uh, McReady's coming in. He's like, well, the lights went out. Any one of us could have done it. Fuchs is missing. We need to go find him. So, but again, yeah, he, I mean, it's possible, but I think they, I think, I don't know. Because, yeah, they don't show him cutting his finger. They just show him testing his own blood. He's like, now to confirm what I already know. Yeah. But he's so adamant about knowing he's not a thing that that's when I'm kind of like, how would we ever really know? Well, and, that, or, and that, yeah. that's the that's the other side of the coin, though, too, is that is that if you're if you're trying to hide your identity, of course, you're going to assert until the cows come home that you're not one of them or you're not infected or whatever it I mean, that's exactly what somebody who is infected would exactly say. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it, yeah, I, I, I still think, I still, I still think it's, I, cause I read something that uh, John Carpenter does have like an idea or an end or a different ending in mind. It's just, he'll, he says he'll never, he'll never say what, what he thinks it should have been or what it was. Ooh. I think I think he thinks it's McCready or wanted it to be McCready, but I think a darker ending is just the fact that neither one of them is, and they're just going to needlessly die for absolutely no reason right now. Mm-hmm. And that, and to me, that that's like a way more grimmer ending. 
Yeah. I think that's probably the theory I always just kind of rolled with was, you know, before, you know, before podcast life, it was just like, oh, that's that's bleak. They're just going to die, you know, and without giving too much thought into if whether or not one of them is a thing or something. So but I don't know. I kind of like. Because then it's like, even if it's even if it's McGreedy, that's a thing and not Childs. What does that mean now for the two of them? You know, you're going to wait until like the one, the human nods off and then the thing is going to attack. You know, I just either way, it's bleak, it's dark and I love it. <laughs> and and the reason I also think while I, I like to play with the idea that it's McCready and I but I actually do really think that it's neither one of them is because if if the if the whole idea if the whole premise and idea for for the thing is to get somebody alone you're already there if one of you is then i guess the only thing you can the only reason it doesn't assimilate the other one right away is because that they're still semi conscious enough that maybe it could kill kill it but you've already got what you want right now. You're already alone with them. So mm -hmm. if one of them is both of them by the end are going to be is how I also tend to take that out too. Mm -hmm. That's why I say, I don't think either one actually is. Interesting. Well, I love it. I love, I just, it's always fun when a movie kind of ends in a way that opens up to a world of different theories and people reading way too much. It's just, it's fun. So I'm not here to be like, no, it's this theory and only this one. I like them all because like yeah. I said, they're both pretty dark and fucked up. So four stars. Anything else on 82? Uh, yeah, there were a couple things I wanted to at least yeah, just yeah. kind of touch. So what did you think of the cast in 82? I liked the cast. I mean, so we, from 51, we omit the two women, but we get two black guys. So <laughs> it's a fair trade. And for the most part, you know, Childs makes it to the end and Nulls makes it almost to the end. So mm -hmm. they weren't the first ones to die and fall into that trope. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, the all male, it, whatever, it's the 80s. I think it's just maybe a sign of the times of just a bunch of dudes, you know, just kind of that, even though it's more psychological horror than like action action you know the 80s is when we kind of saw that bump in masculine you know male action stars so that's kind of what i always just chalked it up to but yeah for the 80s they did they did pretty good <laughs> what about you would you think so and i i read something that john carpenter said or it may not have been even john carpenter might have been one of the other producers but they said they they addressed the idea of having a woman in as a co-star or something like that. And I forget who said it. And they said, yeah, but Hollywood would just screw it up and they'd have to be a love interest to somebody. And it's like that that's not what they were going for. That doesn't that doesn't help anything. Right. And so I thought that was a, a, a really good answer. And it kind of takes away from the 2011 because if this is supposed to be the prequel and that's kind of the norm for the 80s like all you know only men if you're going to be secluded like that we can't have women and down there it kind of took away from that i think a little bit 
I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that women can't be like in a role and not be a love interest, but that's what Hollywood always does. They always got to be sleeping with somebody. And it's like, come on, exactly. can't be professionals. Exactly. And I think that's, I think that is a valid answer, especially for a question, you know, for that question, especially for 80s casting, because they absolutely would have fucking forced some sort of love interest pairing. And I get so bored with that shit. So if the only way for them to avoid that in 82 is just to not cast versus just not doing that, then I guess fine. Yeah. Uh, but I guess because the one in 2011, that's a Norwegian station. And in 82, it's an American station. So maybe just, nor you know, Norwegians are just more open-minded and even in 82 to have a couple women on the on the science team or whatever. So... And that actually make and now that you put it that way too, that actually makes a lot more sense. Because <laughs> let's face it, we're always the U.S. is always way behind everybody else. Yep. It's like I always look across the pond and I'm like, can't we just do what they're doing? They they seem to have their shit together. Can't we just copy that instead of having to reinvent the goddamn wheel? Right. <laughs> who knew? So yeah. Who, who, <laughs> uh, they, their healthcare seems to be working. Can we just copy that? <laughs> like, what, their education seems to be pretty good. Can't we just copy that? Yeah, Whoa. they've got they've got amazing public transportation. Can't we just copy that? Yeah, what, what are we what are we trying to do here? Well, this is America. Mm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but we could also be taking better care of our people too. Is that yeah. not? No, this is America. We treat our people like shit. Exactly, America, America. Let's <laughs> blow some shit up. Yeah, and then in '82, you know, the only answer because I I did like that, you know, in that kind of more darker ending tone where Kurt Russell's like, none of us are going to make it out of here alive, but as long as this thing doesn't make it out, then it's going to be kind of worth it. Mm -hmm. So the answer to that is just blow everything up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Even the helicopter explosion in the beginning was really big. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh my God, that guy dropping that grenade. What the fuck? right off the bat i'm like how terrible are you with this <laughs> he was really bad <laughs> i do really like the opening for 82 it's i think that the opening for the 82 really kind of sets that ominous dark tone there's something about that sound effect that's kind of like a, a like a steady heartbeat but also it's kind of like a lower tone and i don't know i think it does a really good job just kind of setting it up like this is going to be a spooky movie and kind of get you on your seat on the edge of your seat like kind of right away so in it like right away you're just it just kind of throws you into it shit's all weird and spooky and i love that 82 really doesn't waste any time getting scary yeah and i i gotta tell you and i wrote this down too it was one of my one of my first things is that how how taken back were you that the fact that this guy is trying to shoot a dog like that? I was like, it, it was the, it was the cutest puppy. I would, I just wanted to give him hugs and kisses and just have him lick my face and mm -hmm. toss the ball around, you know, I yeah. wanted to just put the puppy and he's trying to shoot at it. And I was like, I want to punch that guy. I don't care. I don't even care if it's a thing. Just <laughs> it's a doggy. 
I think, yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised people didn't just start firing at him right away, seeing that he's like chasing a dog. So I think if the movie was remade in like present time, that's more than a possibility. But yeah. I also think it's really interesting that if you speak and or understand uh, Norwegian, it tells you right there in the very beginning that that's a thing. It's not human. It's dangerous. Stay yep. away from it. So I don't know. That's just oh, kind of tickles and I, me. And I read something about that too, that they had to do something different with the intro in the, Nor in the Norwegian release, because they were like, no, 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 we can't, like, we can't just ruin the movie right off the bat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I forget what they did differently, but it, it, I, I remember reading about that. I, oh, I wish I would have. Yeah, I read the same I, same as you. As I, I remember reading that they did change it for the Norwegian release, but I can't remember what they did. Maybe make it French or I, I don't know. But I, I did think that was funny that, uh, <laughs> that yeah, American audiences who spoke uh, Norwegian knew right away. So I mean, how pissed would you have been when you, if you paid your eight dollars to go see that movie? And you sat down, and you're like, oh, I heard this movie is really scary. And then all of a sudden it's like blown for you in the first minute because you could speak Norwegian. And it's like, God damn it. Now I already know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably would have been pretty pissed because it's it's just the movie is so good. It's so fucking good. And it just that that would have just taken way too much away from it. So just that all that uncertainty and not knowing and the. Ah. Yeah, and so um, what was one of the other things I wanted? To... Oh, uh, did you ever find figure out what the what the cheat code was at the beginning of the movie? Mm -mm. Or I don't know when it happened, but them fucking flamethrowers, they must have had unlimited uh, unlimited ammo cheat code for those things because <laughs> oh my god, those things lasted forever. Oh, I know. There was one point where I think McGreedy shot like the little head spider thing. And I felt that it was a bit excessive how much flame he was throwing at this. Like, it's, you got it, dude. <laughs> I was just like, do, you, do these things ever run out of fuel? Like, holy shit. No, no. And I do love that the only malfunction, you know, when it's important. Because, of course. Plot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And they did yeah, do I that, that in both too. the in 82 and 2011. So all of a oh, sudden yeah. it's like jammed or there's air in the line and oh no. And <laughs> yes. Always at the wrong time. Always. Yeah. Never, never fails. Nope. Uh, one of the best tropes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I found it weird that they would always use fire extinguishers even outside. It's like there's snow everywhere. Where's this fire going to go? Just You don't have to put it out. Just let it burn out. Yeah. Don't waste the goddamn fire extinguishers. Exactly. So I was kind of wondering that, too, because when they went to go put out the helicopter, I'm like, well, it already exploded like big time. I think it's burned off all its explodey bits. Yeah, I, don't, I think it's I don't, done. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, you need the the fire extinguishers. But, you know, safety first. I guess. <laughs> But it, then if you're going to talk safety first, so remember um, when they went, when they tried to develop the test in the 82 that, and then the, whatever the thing got into the blood and, and destroyed it all. So it couldn't like do that particular test, mm -hmm. but I found it weird. Like, I know that was probably before they were infected, 
but they picked up all those blood packets with their bare hands. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if it only takes just one blood drop for this thing to infect you, I'm not even touching that shit. Mm -mm. No, I'm not going anywhere near that. No, screw this. Yeah, I 100% agree. (laughs) And then I, I don't, I feel like the time frame for the 82, by the time the dog gets there in the end of movie, it's what, two days, maybe? I think two, so. Two, maybe three days. It's, do they ever say? Because I don't, I don't recall them saying, but it's, I would have, I guess I assumed like at least within a week, within okay. a week. So that's two days falls in that time period. Um yeah, I don't know, but it's soon. Yeah, so, and the only reason I bring that up is because at some point during whatever time frame we happen to establish, whether it's two days, three days, a week, Wilford Brimley gets put into that shack, and we find out at, towards the end that he's one of them, a thing. He got assimilated into it. But he's building a spaceship underneath the goddamn housing whatever it is house bunker whatever mm-hmm. but did you see how well put together the thing was like how much time did he really have and where is he getting all this crap from and how did he know that they would put him in that particular building so that he could still work on it when if he ever got caught or needed to be isolated mm-hmm. like it just, it just that part just kind of like what what's going what's going on here yeah I mean, unless the alien itself is like that fast and efficient in rebuilding its own little spaceship, but it's like there was like a desk down there. There's like a whole little like yeah. little lab office. I thought the same thing. I'm like, how long has he been working on that? So then he he couldn't have been a thing the whole time because it originated in the Norwegian base based on 2011. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I admit that one kind of had me scratching my head, too, because I, I. So they've been out there. So McGreedy's group, I think they've been out there at least a few weeks, not long yeah. enough to go mad. And same with the Norwegian base, because I think they said the same thing, that there's no way that that pilot could have been could have gone, you know, stir crazy to. Yeah. And so. I feel like McGreedy's group has only been there for maybe about the same amount of time, maybe a little longer, but still not enough to go stir crazy and definitely not enough time to dig out a little bunker in in the frozen Antarctic tundra and start building a spaceship. So that was very kind. That was very confusing and maybe a little unnecessary. Did we really need that underground part, you know, like they still just went and blew everything up anyways. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's just a plot hole now. Yeah. And, but cause then they don't, they even uh, suggest, so they find the spaceship and it, it's not meant to necessarily leave the planet. Just get the hell out of Antarctica is what there is, is, is what they were, I, I believe saying, if not straight out, right. I'm, like I said, after a Brewer game, yeah, don't really remember too much in detail. Yeah, they did say something about <laughs> but, uh, him just getting the hell away, but it's never specified, like, to where. Just that Doc is building this just to leave the station. 
mm-hmm. I think is the gist of it. And then it, then it, I guess, I don't know if it's because they wound up blowing up that spaceship or if this was maybe just plan B, if they did happen to find it and it didn't work, that it, then it would just freeze itself again just to be refound maybe later. Mm-hmm. Cause they also bring that up then at some point, either, I think it's after they blow up the spaceship, but I'm not hundred percent sure that, yeah, maybe it, now it's just going to freeze and, and wait. And, yeah. Yeah. Play the waiting game again. Yep. Yeah. Cause they mentioned yeah, they do mention that, but I just, now I can't remember when either. So. All right. Well, the, the two other things I got written down and these are just kind of me nitpicking as, as per usual mm-hmm. <laughs> is that when, when Kurt Russell and was it two other guys or one of the docs and somebody else are at the Norwegian site, mm-hmm. he's holding the shotgun with only one hand. And I'm like, if you had to fire that thing and you're doing that one handed, you're losing that arm. Mm-hmm. Like your shoulder is coming straight out of your socket or that gun is just flying straight out of your hands. And now you're just more of a detriment to, to anybody. As I was like, that is just. There was another scene that was very similar. And that's when Wilford Brimley's like going just cuckoo bananas in uh, in the office or whatever. And he's got the yeah. he's got the little six shooter and he's just firing like from the hip, like arm down, bent at a right right angle you know instead of like extended like we're used to seeing now and everything you know to yeah. kind of brace yourself it's just from the hip like that so that made me chuckle but because i was like i don't think that's how you should no that's definitely yeah especially a revolver those are meant to pack more of a punch so the so the they're meant to be more uh explosive on on the out on the outburst coming out of the barrel so mm-hmm. yeah that, that thing would have he would have hurt himself pretty <laughs> <Yep>. good. <laughs> and then the only other thing is, is when McCready's playing chess against that computer. Uh-huh. If you look at the screen, it's not exactly what the computer says is actually going on. Mm. It's not even checkmate. Cause if you see it right before it, there's nowhere that computer is nowhere even close to checkmate. So that, I think that's why he calls her a cheating little bitch or whatever, then pours his drink <laughs> in the hard drive. Because okay. I was like, yeah, that was not checkmate. That makes sense. I don't, I don't, I don't know chess. So my kids do, but so I just thought he was being a sore loser <laughs> and wasting his J and B. Oh yeah, J and B. That's all you could get. Ugh, really? <laughs> oh, uh, the one only, only one other thing I wanted to add about eighty-two is just that a tradition in British Antarctic research stations is to watch the thing as part of their midwinter feast and celebration held every June 21st. So I think that's just so funny. I love it. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, uh, I've heard like my cousin Vinny is shown at uh, like law schools or whatever because of how accurate of a portrayal the courtroom scenes are. So I just think that's funny. Yeah. Well, I hope it's not that accurate then for it's, for Antarctica. I mean, I hope oh. there's not alien organisms <laughs> running around. And who knows? Yeah, so, that's Antarctica. Who knows? We don't know. I don't know. I'm not going out there because it's fucking cold. Yeah, and that just sounds fucking terrible. Yeah, and there's obviously aliens. So yeah. 
All right, so 2011 is the prequel, and my general, I'm just going to go real quick because I, I just kind of touched on it earlier, but I, I really liked this. Um, not knowing that it was a prequel, I think, made it that much more interesting and more, like, I was more able to kind of accept it for what it was. Uh, but again, too much CGI, but that's... Uh, from what I've read, that is, again, studios coming in and getting their grubby little hands on shit. So I had read that the movie was originally supposed to be released in April and then got pushed back into October due to all the reshoots and putting in the CGI. So the special effects team that originally worked on 2011, they had it set up to be basically as practical as possible and only using CGI to kind of enhance some of the scarier bits. Um, but after the studio came in and made their demands and everything was replaced with CGI, like apparently that crew just just felt shit upon. They're just like, well, they should have just had us fucking design it instead of wasting our goddamn time. Was I'm paraphrasing. So that, and then, yeah, everyone, they don't look 80s enough is eh, really my only big complaint. I think it's, I think it's a good, I think it's fun. I like it. Well, the thing, and, and the big, in the, in the big, how do I want to say, not takeaway, but that really takes it out of its element is, is, is you think when Wilford Brimley is doing the simulation on his computer in the 82, and then mm -hmm. they do the same thing in the 2011, Mm -hmm. It yeah, it is completely, completely different. Yeah, and that's what makes it feel like it's out of place. Like this is definitely not before the eighties, let alone, or not before the eighties, before the eighty-two, because that a lot of that stuff was just like everyday stuff we have here. I mean, granted, they didn't have cell phones or anything like that in the in the movie, but the technology, the computers, it was like, yeah, all this stuff was like, no, that's not what was going on. Mm -hmm. You had that DOS running goddamn program doing simulations, not Java or whatever the hell they were using. Yeah. <laughs> so what, so yeah, you saw it in the theater and you liked it. What's, what are some of your more what are some of your big likes or maybe dis and or dislikes of 2011? And again, I know you've got your kind of new theory on maybe 2011 is more of the remake of to 51. Yeah. Uh, overall, I, I, I know 2011 gets shit on quite a bit and for pretty much the right reasons, <laughs> but I, I still don't think overall it's that bad of a movie. I, I really, I still enjoy watching it uh yeah maybe there are some scenes i'm like okay yeah we could probably speed this up just a little bit it doesn't need to be like this but overall i like the cast i mean what is it mary elizabeth winstead was mm -hmm. great in it um mm -hmm. uh, other than that but, but like i said other than her i don't really know anybody else in the in the movie they don't look i don't know if you recognized anybody else in it uh the only other one i recognized was kind of the bigger like redheaded uh uh, Norwegian fella, because he's from Game of Thrones. He oh. was, uh, well, yeah, he was in Game of Thrones. People know who he is that's in Game of Thrones. But he was the, oh, oh and then, like, the blonde-haired guy, because he just kind of looks familiar. He's probably popped up, because I think he's got some show credits. Oh, yeah, because he was in Community. So I remember him from Community and kind of some other random stuff here and there. But 
that that's really it. I didn't really recognize anybody else. But I thought yeah. the cast, I thought everyone did a really great job. And I, I, I agree. I think the movie gets pooped on a bit too much. And I mean, yeah, like you said, for the right reasons. But I think it's still a good, I think it's kind of entertaining. And I like how it fits in to the thing universe. Yeah. And, and like I said at the beginning, it's not knowing it was even a prequel. It, I don't know. I think that made it a little more special to me and mm -hmm. I, why I liked it. Cause it, I, I, I kind of went into it not knowing really what to expect, or at least going in with maybe the wrong expectations and then finding out, Whoa, Whoa, this isn't what I, this isn't what I originally thought it was going to be. And then getting something completely, not completely different, but a little different. And it was like, Oh, wow. That that's it. And then, then it, it, it made you want to rewatch it again right away yes. because it's like, what did I miss? now that i know what it's trying to do mm -hmm. so having that having that in mid movie where you're like oh shit this isn't a remake this is a goddamn prequel <laughs> and i was like oh i was like goddamn now i gotta rewatch this oh mm -hmm. and it, yeah but like like we said it gets shit on quite a bit for the right reasons and it's mostly just due to the fact that the cgi is just terrible in the movie it mm -hmm. What, what other movie did we say the CGI was that was just absolutely terrible? Was it Nightmare? Yes, it was Nightmare. The remake. Was there, was there another one? Probably. I like was, <laughs> yeah, I, was, I feel like we've, we've had this conversation now before. Numerous times. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely Nightmare. Uh, let's see. Maybe not. Oh, I, I feel like probably maybe all of them. Oh, because Friday, like the remake Friday, but evil, the remake, evil dead remake, they stuck a bit more to practical effects, I think. Right. And then just use CGI to kind of enhance some of the stuff. Like yeah. I know with, with evil dead, your biggest complaint was the fake fire in the beginning. Uh, understandable. Well, that was, a, I, I, I still think that was a reshoot like that. Somebody was like, Hey, we got to do something different with this we don't have the deadites or whatever in mm -hmm. it so we gotta we gotta do something else with it or pad it out a little bit more that's sure. I, I feel like it was just put together hastily and that's why it was done with cgi in that yeah. one so i'm not gonna necessarily fall people dead for that right but i feel like uh was it black christmas the the fourth one? Oh yeah the 2019 the, 2000, the yeah that one had a little more way too much cgi in it yeah because then like that big fight at the end that was just there was just way too much going on and the goop and whatever but just a yeah. goofy movie um <laughs> yeah so clearly you know we uh this should be no surprise to anyone but we obviously prefer the practical over the special um there's a lot of really talented special effects teams and artists out there and yeah have them do the work. Don't be so dependent on on the CGI stuff because from what it sounds like, CGI, when it gets to be too much, it eats away at the budget and then everything else, then other things suffer. So I think studios just need to be really examine their the, the effects and how much they're going to put into practical versus the special. 
Well, I originally thought that when they did CGI is that it's because it's more cost efficient. It's easier and cheaper to do it that way. And maybe that the budget got cut or something like that for the 2011. And that's why they went back to more CGI because it was just cheaper and faster than having to do. Yeah, from what I've read, it was just basically the studio wanted more CGI. I don't know, probably not to appease audiences or to give a shit, but probably that's just, I guess, maybe what they thought audiences would want is the hmm. more CGI to make it more, to make it bigger and, you know, more intense or something. I, I, I don't know. But all of that can be achieved with a very talented special effects team, I think. Yes. And then just CGI to maybe enhance a little bit of that. So. Yeah, I would agree. And then, so I didn't, I didn't do a rewatch of the 2011. I just didn't have time for it. Whatever happened to um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character at the end? I don't even remember. Yeah. So she, okay. So she does live and it is just her. So for a little bit, it's her and one of the other guys. And I can't think of what his name is, but at one point we do get a shot that he's got an earring. So they get into one of the little buggies to try and chase one of the other things that has run off. Cause they're like, there's another, there's like a Russian station that he could still make it to or something or whatever. Mm. So they go, they, they kind of have their, final battle uh the dude she's with uh disappears but then he comes back and as they're getting back into the little buggy she notices that he doesn't have his earring anymore and so he oh no it's in the wrong ear no he doesn't have it no he so he doesn't have it anymore and when she calls him out on it he goes to reach but he reaches at the wrong ear and she's like it was your other ear that had the earring and oh. So then he's like, you know, so he starts pleading with her. No, 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 no. And then she torches him. And I think we do hear that thing like screech come from him. So mm -hmm. then he falls out of the little snow machine and she jumps in and then I believe, and then she takes off. So I think we're left to assume that she's now headed maybe to the Russian station. Cause I think that was maybe closer than the American one where they could have made it in the little buggy thing. So she lives, and as far as we know, she is human. Hmm. I'm, 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 just, I'm just trying to think about that, because I was like, yeah, I thought she lived, but then nothing's ever seen or heard from her. I mean, granted, it's a prequel, so it's not like they can go back and redo 82 and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, the Russians just said this woman came from the Norwegian camp. You know, it's not like they can do that, but... Mm -hmm. I don't know, to me, when you when you start doing stuff like that, it starts to throw me off just a tad, though. Like, it's... So we had somebody... Because there's only, what, two survivors at the end of 2011. It's her and that other guy from the Norwegian site. Because he winds up chasing the dog as a helicopter. Because one of the helicopters from someplace else comes in, and he's, he's screaming at you know, that we got to, you know, there was this alien and then they chased, the, then that's the beginning of 82 is where mm -hmm. the Norwegians are flying around trying to shoot the dog that he thinks is a thing, which obviously was, but so I was just like, so you had that character explained in 82, mm -hmm. but now we don't have um, 
Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character explained in at all after anything. Yep, that is correct. Yeah, so I was just like, that kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. So, yeah, because it's maybe they were just trying to go for a more ominous, ambiguous ending with her character, similar to 82. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> maybe they're just like, it's fine. No one cares. <laughs> and, and I guess I, I guess this is me just going to play the speculation card and have a little fun with this. What if mm. he wasn't a thing in that buggy and was actually human? But she was the thing and got him first and then went to the Russian site to go infect them. Could be. I'm I'm just having fun with that. Yeah. I mean, we really, we really don't know. Like, I think, again, we're, since we're following her character kind of through this one, like we followed Kurt Russell's, I guess we're just kind of left to assume that she is still human, like, you know, maybe so many people thought that Kurt Russell, McGreedy, was still human by the end. But we really don't know. No. Uh, and her, Mary Elizabeth's uh, character, his name is Kate. Kate Lloyd. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, because let's see. I think it's Carter is the guy that lives at the end. Yeah, I, I think it's Sam Carter. Yeah. So... Yeah, I I think not knowing that it's a prequel is probably the best way <laughs> going into watching the prequel. <laughs> now, you you know, you had mentioned this being possibly a remake of 51, and I hadn't like I said I hadn't really thought of it that way, but in kind of thinking about it now, I can see how that might be just because in 2011, that's the group that hears the signal and flies to the the ship and finds the alien and the and takes it out of the ice and everything and that's exactly what happens in 51. So I I can definitely see that those parallels there. So anything else that you think speaks more to remake for 2011 uh for the to the 51 version. Yeah, I, I... Like I said, I, 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 because of that, because it's 51 does go into the origin and how they find it and all that stuff. And that's exactly pretty much forbade what they do in 2011. That's why I think that 2011 is actually the remake of 1951, which then begs the question, what the hell was 82? If it's not a remake necessarily. Um, I guess then it could potentially be a sequel, if not a standalone, to fit to uh to 1951. Yeah, but there's there was nothing about dogs or Norwegian sites or anything like that that 82 would have necessarily have continued on, and that's what I'm really I I'm guess I'm gonna have to just try to look something up on this because that, that it kind of bothers me a little bit now. Like if, if we're calling the 2011 now the remake, what the hell was 82 doing back <laughs> then? And where were they getting the start of their movie even from? Okay. Well, okay. 
so to flip it also, could we even consider 82 to be a remake of 51? Is there has there been too many changes to kind of the overall plot and storyline where 82 is just its own movie? It's not a remake. Uh, it's maybe a reboot or a reimagining to 51. I, and then, and then, yeah, 2011. But yeah, because they don't mention any other stations, science stations or research stations in 51. It's just America. It's all about yeah. us. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, yeah, it. <sighs> You had to drop it like right when we logged on because now it's like, oh shit, is this even which is the which is the remake? Yeah, I I, I I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say that 2011 is the remake, and I I don't even know what to say about 82. Like it's it's it, it's a sequel to 51, but in no way, shape, or form does it feel like it on. And so it's its own movie, but then it took stuff from 1951. But I feel like they they changed so much from the 51 that you can't even call it a reimagining. It's like right. its own movie. Exactly. So where did they even get the beginning for 82 from then, if that's the case? I, this is now this is boggling <laughs> my goddamn mind now. <laughs> All right. So. All right, so 51 is our original. That is for sure. Yes. With 2011 being possibly the remake and then maybe 82 being a reboot of resetting the continuity. But that doesn't make any sense either because that was done in 82. You can't even call it a reboot because I know. there's only... <laughs> At that point, there was only the 51, so it's not even like it's within a film series. Yeah, this is. I thought this was well, going to be fun, Josh. Now yeah, I'm... <laughs> yeah, I'm where fun goes to die. <laughs> well, Virginia's not. <laughs> oh, so yeah, it's like, okay, so if we're going to try and rank our remakes, which one are we ranking? Should we just rank both 82 and 2011? I, I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this, yeah. This, I knew this was going to happen once I started watching the 51. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I watched it and I was like, what the? No, this is not what I, wait, what? Oh, no, no, we screwed everything up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll deal with the train wreck in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to see if there's... Anything I can find quick that specifically lists names 82 as a remake versus just this movie was inspired by 1951. Yeah. And I think that's the best you can get. I think that's. Is inspired. Mm-hmm. Because in, in 51, the alien is a super veggie. In 82, they just know that it can assimilate and replicate. And then in 2011, now whether or not they actually feel that it is, they do call it a virus or refer to it as a virus 
-hmm. at least in the way to treat it. Because they say, what do we do with a virus? We quarantine, isolate, and kill it. Mm -hmm. Quarantine, (laughs) isolate, and kill it. That's all I'm going to say. How ahead of their time (laughs) they were, right? Yep. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So that, that whole little nugget of yours is really kind of fucked me up <laughs> yeah i it's questions like this that kept me out of the really good schools yeah i know because <laughs> yeah i'm sure it was that oh all right well i guess maybe we should pick one of them to rank for our for the remakes that we've covered so far and where i mean i was planning on doing 82 <laughs> and okay, not well, okay. 2011 <laughs> Well, okay, let's let's do it this way. We I think we both pretty much agree that 82 is probably one of the best horror movies period. So it's it's Absolutely. just going to win on it's just going to win anyway on its own. Yeah. So I say we rank we we use the 2011 one and Oh. Cuz I think that could get a little little more weird. Yeah, now I need to redo my thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Um let's see. Cuz let's see, we've got the two Black Christmases, 2006 and 2019. Oh, that's right. We're doing both of those, right? Yep. That's right. why I was kind of open to doing both of the things. Because I was like, well, we got two Black Christmases. Yeah, um, I can't do that. No. Plus, not I'm not lumping Christmas. John Carpenter's a thing in with that fucking turd of the 2019 Black Christmas. I'm not putting that up against it. Not even. <laughs> not even. One's, uh, one's in college and the other one's in kindergarten. It forgot uh-huh. to bring its lunch. So he's just going to sit in the corner and eat paste. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I got to write this down now, too, so I can. Yeah. Black I Christmas is 19 and what was it? 2000 what? Six. 2006. We got Nightmare. Uh, Friday the 13th. Little Shop. Mm-hmm. What else? All right. Let's see. So Nightmare thing. Robocop. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> that time you'd made me yell a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then Evil Dead, and I think that's yes. it, right? Yep. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movies. Nightmare Friday, Little Shop, Robo, Evil Dead, I'm Two Black of... Christmas. Yep. What am I missing? And then the thing. Oh shit! God damn it! What do Yeah, like I said, it's too bad I couldn't be here today. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you sending in your stand-in. Yeah, no shit, right? All right. Oh fuck! Where are we gonna put these now? Oh, right. okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. Well, we took eighty-two out of the running. Okay, I think I've got mine ranked. It's always that like kind of bottom set. <laughs> See, for me, that's pretty easy. It's like, well, it's just which one do I hate the most today? Because <laughs> remember, I hated I was so mad about RoboCop for so long. And then I think it was during our Black Christmas recording. It bumped up a bit and you were shocked. And I was like, yeah. I'm not so mad about it anymore. <laughs> but I still maintain that it should not be calling itself RoboCop. Uh, yeah maybe i don't know in the suit okay i'm no (laughs) (laughs) all right how do you got this going what are what top to bottom 
Well, we you, eight, you are the spots. Yep. You are the guest. You may go first. No, I'll, I will defer to you. All right. So, um, okay. So the eighth spot and we'll work our way to number one. Oh, you're going to go bottom up. I'm oh, go okay. Down. Well, I can go top down this. Okay. So number one will always be little shops. I think it's going to be really hard to replace that. Originally when I thought we were going to do 82, I thought that was going to be a really, really tough one uh, between 82, the thing and a little shop of horrors, uh, 80s Rick Moranis version, but we made it a little easier for me. So thank you. Number You're two, <laughs> uh, number two, I have the evil dead remake. Uh, number three is the 2011, the thing. Cause I just, I really enjoyed, it. I do like, and that really has everything to do with how it relates to 82 and how it kind of shows us what happened at that Norwegian station. Um, I, I just, I love it. Let's see for fourth place. I've got black Christmas, 2006 for fifth place. I have RoboCop today. Ooh. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm you're softening. Coming, you're, you're, you're coming around. You're I'm, coming around. I know. I'm softening. Uh, let's see. Sixth spot would be today. It's going to be Friday, 13th remake. Seventh will be Black Christmas 2019. And last place is The Nightmare on Elm Street really? remake. Really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Oh, what'd you get? What do you have? Well, I'm... Uh, uh, I'm so having a little bit more time. And by the way, I want my director's cut of little shop back. If you're done with it. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. I, Virginia has been here a couple times. I keep forgetting to send it back with her. I'm going to go with little shop as number one as well with the remake. I got evil dead a really close second, just because I really did like that remake. I, I really thought it was well done. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately I'm going to have to cheat here a little bit. And I got a three-way tie for third place. Ooh. Um, I've got RoboCop, The Thing, 2011, and Black Christmas, 2006. At any given time, I would be happy to watch any of those three. That's fair. Maybe I feel like a horror flick one day. Maybe I feel like an action flick. Maybe I just want to see Lacey Chambert one day or whatever, you know. <laughs> so th those three those three you could you could interchange either one of them for me and i'm fine with that i'm fine with those and then we get down to sixth place is friday the 13th nightmare is seventh and i still hate that fucking 2019 black christmas <laughs> that will be number eight or bottom of the barrel for quite some time i don't know if we're gonna be able to get that one above anything yeah yeah, it looks like last time I had 2019 Black Christmas at number six and then Nightmare Remake at number seven. So I think between Nightmare Friday and 2019 Black Christmas, that will be a rotating bottom three. Fair enough. <laughs> For me. <laughs> and like I said, the only reason I would, the only reason I'll keep Friday above the other two is just because I liked what they did with, with the Jason character in that movie. Mm -hmm. It was a little something different. It was pretty cool. I liked it. So, sure. well, enough anyways. It still yeah. wasn't all that great, but I liked it enough that I won't put it in the bottom bottom. Fair enough. All right. So 
uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to one of the last segments of the podcast. One of the, the newest segment, The Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage, The Things Edition. So from one of these three movies, we'll get to a Nicolas Cage uh, movie in Six Steps or Less. So we kind of meeting today was while planned, still kind of scrambly last minute. So uh, I do I only have one thing prepared um, based off the 1982's The Thing. Um, let's see, Josh, you didn't get a chance to because like I said, this was all kind of slapped together. So literally hours before or yeah. yesterday, last night when I called you and I was like, wait, I didn't know we were doing this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So wires got crossed. It happens. So what I came up with from 1982's The Thing, Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage. So The Thing stars Keith David uh, as Childs, who was in Platoon with Willem Dafoe, who was in Ooh. Wild at Heart with Nicolas Cage. So I started doing 2011, but then I ran out of time. And um, so maybe I'll get there another time. We'll see. Fair enough. So where the hell did this even come from? Honestly, it, where, where, what is this? <laughs> it was, uh, I think Laura and I were doing an episode. And so this was after I had done my Nicolas Cage episode. And I think just in one of our kind of tangents started going off about like the six degrees of, you know, Nicolas Cage, Kevin Bacon, uh, I think even Bruce Willis, because her and I did a Bruce Willis episode. So it just happened in conversation and I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to incorporate it into my podcast now because I love Nicolas Cage. It's just kind of a fun, silly way, I think, to end a show. Uh, sometimes, depending on the movie or show, there might be heavier themes. So it's a nice way to kind of lighten the ending a bit. Uh, you and I, we always just have a lot of fun and it's, you know, raving and then pooping on a show or movie. So pretty but, much. But yeah, it's just, I don't know, just kind of a fun random thing. Because why not? Bubbles are random. I'm random. I'm so random. <laughs> oh, is, but why Nicolas Cage? Couldn't we do somebody cooler? No. There is no one cooler than Nicolas Cage. Seriously? Yes. I did a yeah, whole I, episode on Nicolas. <laughs> What'd she say? She's like, oh, she loves Nicolas Cage. Yeah. She loves her <laughs> Nicolas Cage. I'm like, like, okay, Kevin Bacon, I'm fine with, but Bruce Willis, I've been like, oh, that, that sounds like it could be fun, but Nick Cage, come on. Yeah, yeah. come on yourself. I'm uh, really excited to see The Unbearable Weight of Talent. I still haven't seen it, and I really want to, and I might just uh, buy it when it comes out on, on Blu-ray. I might, I might actually purchase a DVD. And that's going to be the one you're going to buy? Yes. Like it's got, it's got like a hundred, it's had like a perfect score. Like I don't put a whole lot of weight into like Rotten Tomatoes and shit like that. But I think it does say something when it's, when a movie does hold a perfect score on that shit old site and it has, and it's a lot of rave reviews. And have you seen the preview for it or anything? I may have, I so, don't know. It's yeah, so it's Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal and uh uh Neil Patrick Ooh. Harris. Pedro Pascal. He was in Game of Thrones, he's the Mandalorian. Um, I'm done. What? I'm done. I don't I have not seen any of that stuff. Oh, well you're missing out. <laughs> yeah, that's what I keep hearing, but I'm not so sure about that. Mm, I think you're missing out. 
I really, I, the Mandalorian is, uh, it's, I love it. Well, I'm not a Star Wars guy anyway, so. Oh, that's right. And then. That's weird. All I kept hearing is about, we kept waiting for Game of Thrones, for the dragons to get there, the dragons to get there, the dragons to get there. And then when, I guess when they finally did show up, it was a big letdown. So I'm like, well, I'm not going through whatever many seasons of that shit just to get let down. It's not that the I'm, dragons were a letdown. The. The CGI work on the dragons was really fucking good for a TV series, even even like a premium uh, channel like HBO, you know, because they're going to have more money than like your Fox and your ABCs and NBCs. So the money that went into it, the dragons looked amazing, but just the way it all ended was a hot fucking mess. They just they rushed too much of the storyline. So but the one that I wanted to be named Queen got named Queen. So that's all I care about. Anyways. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> All right, so one last thing before we leave. What's been streaming in your bubble? What have you been watching? Not a goddamn thing, actually. I mean, it's... I, I, other than doing just these podcasts with you, those, those are pretty much the only things I've been watching. Um, I think right now we're just... We just got done re-watching Castle. And I'm watching Metalocalypse, so. Oh, nice, nice. Did you watch The Rookie with Nathan? Because uh, I think it's still on, but. No, I have not. It's, okay. it's, it's, it is something I do want to watch. It's got him in it. I will eventually see it. I'm just kind of waiting for it to finish so, out its thing. And then I'll yeah. just buy the box set on DVD and then watch it that way. So. Right on. Yeah. Cool. We'll get there, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Other, other, yeah, otherwise I'm not, I don't, I haven't had time to really watch anything. We watch a lot of wrestling, AEW. Yeah, yeah. Well, you went and saw some live wrestling the other day, right? Uh, last two Fridays, we went and saw some local, uh, uh, local promotion. Cool. It was a lot of fun. I had, I've had way more fun those two Fridays than any adult ever should. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I will admit going to live wrestling events, even like the like local circuit ones, they are a lot of fun. And I think it's just part of getting caught up in that energy because that is a lot of just excitement and just getting you pumped. So that's cool. I get it. They're fun. Glad you had more fun than you should have as a grown ass yeah. man. <laughs> well, even the, even the one we went to just this Friday, it was, there was only about, 30 people in attendance it was outside the weather wasn't real great sprinkled here and there but nothing terrible but there were only about 30 of us in attendance and so the wrestlers can hear what you're saying and they're engaging with you even the ref was cracking jokes with me at one point during a match and so it was just it was just so much fun oh that does sound with, fun they're just engaging with you they're yelling at you and like I said, the ref was even cracking jokes. I'm like, you can't even count the threes like public education. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, that's fair. That's funny. Well, right on. I mean, it sounds like you're just going out and enjoying life and enjoying some of that time, hard earned time off. But yeah, well, good. Good for you. So, well, Josh, I just want to thank you for uh, joining me today and clearing your very busy wrestling watching schedule to be here and. <laughs> And throw me all off on the things. You're um, welcome. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to this forever, and I can't wait to. I actually can't wait to edit and upload this. So, thank you. 
You're welcome. And I, and like I said, sorry, it took so long. I, yeah. I miss doing this. Yeah. It's, no, I enjoy no it. Worries. Yeah. yeah. I know it was kind of weird. I told Timmy, I was like, I haven't talked to Josh in a really long time and I miss it. And he starts laughing and he's like, well, Josh is a, he's a good dude. I was like, I know. I'm okay. (laughs) That part will be cut. No, (laughs) Perfect. No, I'm fine with that answer too. I'm fine with that. I don't want that shit getting out. (laughs) Well, I always used to say, you know what the difference between being okay and great is? Hmm. Nothing. It still pays the fucking same. Ah. There's no reason to be great. If okay oh. gets the job done, screw it. I'm not going to put forth the extra effort. I love I love your little bits of wisdom, Dozer. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And I got thank- plenty more. <laughs> awesome. We'll save them for the next one. Fair enough. Thanks for listening. And to every one of you listening to my voice, tell the world. Tell this to everybody wherever you are. Watch the skies. Everywhere. Keep looking. Keep watching the skies. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at MyStreamingBubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at BuyMeACoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.